Welcome to Grace Church. It's great to see you all this morning, and it's, it's actually awesome to see you all this morning. I want to welcome those of you that are watching online, and uh, that, was, that was my mom who shared a story about my uncle, her brother, and uh, yeah, I do hope that it speaks and ministers, and um, I know she was uh, just excited to be able to share a little bit, and, and the hope was that it would connect with people, and people could make a decision, especially young people, could make a decision now to live for Jesus give their lives to Jesus and live the, their full life to the glory of God and not, not come to the end and then give their lives to Jesus, but to live their whole life in worship to Jesus. That would be fantastic. And I, I pray that that uh, story ministered to you. We are in part two of our series that we've called Equipped. And uh, uh, we've been uh, just looking to the idea of what does it mean to be equipped? How are you equipped? You know, we've started asking a bunch of questions. And where this originated was three weeks ago. We hosted a huddle here at Grace Church. We actually got the church body together. We had a wonderful meal together. And we started to communicate a foundational principle that's going to guide our future uh, of this church. And it's going to guide our church into an incredible future. We tried to summarize it this way. Every partner a guide. Every partner a guide. You see, when people uh, come desiring to know Jesus... We want to partner with them, so much so that they can grow to the point, and they can be encouraged to the point where they are capable of guiding other people spiritually. And what we did last week was we looked at some biblical evidence to show that uh, every partner is a priest. We talked about the priesthood of the believers. We talked about how every partner, um, another way you could say it, is a minister, or every partner a guide. We learned that, that God has given the church pastors and teachers and leaders to equip God's people to do God's work and to build up the church. And what we did last Sunday is we started asking questions. We started asking the question of um, how do we equip people for the work of ministry? We started asking people or questions, uh, what does it mean to be equipped? And then we ask the question, like, what, what is the work of ministry? Like, what does that even mean? And how does that play out in our everyday life? What is the work of ministry? What is the work of God? And I think all of those are fantastic questions. And we're going to be spending time throughout this series answering all those questions. But today, I, I think it's really important for us to actually take a step back. And I think there's a more important question to ask. And I think it's a, it's a great starting question as we get into the sermon today. The question that I would like to ask is, what are you equipped for? Before we start talking about the how, let's talk about the what, okay? What are you equipped for? And why would you even want to be equipped? You may be sitting here this morning, and you're like, dude, I don't want to be equipped. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, um, We need to understand, like, why would you even want to be equipped? What are you equipped for? Four. And I'm, I'm going to start this morning by sharing an illustration. I got this illustration from Tom Mercer, who wrote the book, Not My Church. And uh, Tom put it this way. He said, picture your life is taking place in a theater. Okay? So if everybody could just imagine with me for just a moment. You're in a theater, and your life is actually on a stage. And there's lots of people in the theater that are observing your life. There's people up in the balcony. There's people in the mezzanine. 
There's people, you know, in the orchestra where they sit. There's people just observing your life. And to some degree, those people that are in the theater, they may be able to see the, the way you behave. They may be able to listen to what you say. But you're only going to have so much influence, you know, for those who are maybe sitting in the cheap seats, you could say. But it's those people who are on the front row, those people who have the best seats in the house who are able to do both. They watch how you live. They listen to what you say. They're paying close attention to your life that is being lived out in front of them. The ancient Greeks called that group the people on your front row or your oikos. Okay, Not the yogurt. All right, The Greek word oikos means extended household. All right? it's, it's, it's not only your immediate family, but it's your close friends. All right? It's your co-worker. It's, it's the, the people that you play sports with. It's, it's uh, you know, the people that you go to the lake with. I mean, it's, it's the people that are an extension of your household. Once again, this would include friendships and neighbors and work relationships, your relatives. Another way we could say it is, is maybe your circle of influence. Or the way it's put in, in the book, Not My Church, is your 8 to 15 people. Usually it's about 8 to 15 people that are really, really observing and paying close attention to your life. You see, the, the truth is, God wants us to enjoy life. The scripture says that He wants us to live life to the full. He wants us to live life that is abundant. He wants us to be respected in the workplace, to excel in school. He wants us to add value to the relationships that we have, the relationships that we share with family and friends. But the reality is, is behind each of those doors or each of those opportunities, you could say, each of those relationships is eternity. Like I'm, I'm here to remind us this morning that eternity exists. Eternity. There is a life to come. This is not all that there is to life. There is eternity. Something Tom says in this book, when it comes to ministering or reaching out to the people that are on your front row, he says, when we feel that our job is to witness to everybody, then we tend not to witness to anybody. Trying to bring a focus to to who we're witnessing to. And let me unpack that for us this morning. So we're asking the question once again, what are you equipped for? As a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be equipped to be a priest, to be a minister, to influence those who are sitting on your front row of life, your oikos. You should be equipped and be able to point those people to Jesus Christ. And once again, they're listening to what you say, and they're more importantly, they're watching the way you live. So what are we equipped for? Let's see what Jesus had to say about this question. We're going to look at the gospel or the letter of Matthew. And in Matthew's letter, he wrote about the time when Jesus was interacting with religious leaders. So Jesus was having some, uh, some conversations with some religious experts of the day, some religious leaders. And um, to put it bluntly, these religious leaders did not like the influence that Jesus was gaining. So Jesus was teaching 
And more and more people were beginning to follow Jesus. And these, these other religious leaders were becoming jealous of that. They didn't like it. They didn't like that his influence was gaining. There were two different groups of religious teachers. One of the groups was called Sadducees. Okay, And you might say, where did they get this name? Well, it's because whenever they interacted with Jesus, and Jesus would put them in their place, they were sad, you see. Okay? All right. <laughs> Woo! All right. I had to throw a dad joke in there this morning. All right? Just to make sure everybody was awake. Sadducees, that was awesome. I can't even look at my family right now because they're just rolling their eyes. The other religious group was called Pharisees. So two different councils or two different groups of religious experts. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 22. And I promise I don't have any more dad jokes for you this morning, all right? So we're going to begin in verse 34. Matthew 22 in verse 34. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with, the, with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Verse 36. Teacher, they're speaking to Jesus. Which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets. Okay, the entire law and all the demands, not just a few, but all the demands of the prophets are based, or other translations say are hung on these two commandments. So what are you equipped for? What should you be equipped for? What should you be prepared for? First of all, you should be prepared or equipped to love God and to love people. That, that should be what the church is doing, is helping you to love better, to love God, to love people in more powerful ways. And Jesus, what he, he, he just knew that the best way to, to reach the people on his front row, the best way to reach the people that were closest to him, was through relationship, was through love. Here at Grace, we've tried to summarize it this way. We've said, we don't want anything to be done outside of relationship. Like, nothing done outside of relationship. Sadly, some churches, they get caught up on completing tasks and doing a bunch of tasks. And, and sometimes tasks have to be done. But even in the, in the completion of those tasks, we want that to be done in relationship, in community. We want people to be connected and, and we believe that's where the magic happens. We believe that's where the Spirit of God works most effectively. You see, the gospel is more than just a bunch of information. My gosh, we, we have more access to information today with the touch of a few buttons than we ever have in the history of this world. And listen, information is not making the world a better place. Information is not, simply information is not what matters most. The gospel is not just information. The gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, 
is best demonstrated or revealed through personal conversations about faith and personal demonstrations of faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. I believe the gospel is best presented, is best shared, is most effective through personal conversations about faith and personal demonstrations of faith in Jesus Christ. Information alone is not what changes the world. God has commissioned you. God has called you. God has led all of us. He's, he's, in, he's specifically instructed us to go into the world, to share, and most importantly, to show or to live out the good news of Jesus Christ to our front row, especially to our front row. Of course, to all the world, but to be more intentional to those who we're close with. Love God and love people is what you should be equipped for. And I want to focus on one other aspect of love. And unfortunately, in church, we haven't talked about this enough. But there's another aspect of love love that sometimes gets brushed aside, maybe not intentionally, but it still does. And it's extremely challenging. Let's read about it in Matthew chapter 5. Once again, Jesus is interacting with the religious leaders of that day. And he says this in verses 43 and 44. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You might say, man, Justin, I thought there was just like the two greatest commands. Love God, love people. It's actually three. Love God, love people, love your enemies. What does it mean to love your enemies? It means that you love people that are not like you. You love people who don't vote like you do. You love people who don't look like you do. You love people who do things differently than you do. And it's extremely challenging, but that's what you should be getting equipped for, is to be able to love God, to love your neighbor, and to love your enemies effectively and powerfully so that people see something different that they don't see on a regular basis. On a regular basis, I don't see people loving their enemies. Come on, are you kidding me? I don't see that. And when that happens, it's like, okay, something is going on here. This is, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of God. That's what you should be getting prepared for. That's, that's what you should be getting equipped for, to love God, to love people, and to even love your enemies. In the, in the weeks to come, we're going to, address this. We're going to unpack how this equipping takes place. We're going to look into it. Second, if you're taking notes, you should be equipped to complete the mission. Okay? Did you realize that church is not a spectator sport? Okay? It's not. You have been given a mission by God, a mission to complete. Once again, in Matthew's writings, we read about the mission. And Jesus personally gave us this mission to complete. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples, or you could say Jesus' front row, left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, 
Go. All right? Say that with me. Go. One more time, real loud. Go. All right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There it is, right there, plain and simple. We are to go into the world. We are to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people get derailed, or maybe they lose motivation. They get a little bit overwhelmed by the mission. When Jesus says to go into all the world, it's like, really? Like the whole world? Like, I'm having a hard time making friends in Durango, Jesus. Like, (laughs) you want me to go to the whole world? And, And sometimes we can get a little bit maybe overwhelmed by that mission. But what if our mindset changed? And this is the idea that I want to present to you and I want to encourage us with as a church. What if our mindset changed and we looked at it a little bit differently and what if our mindset relationally was not to change the whole world, but to change your world? Like what if you started with your world? All right, that's, that's the idea I'm trying to present to us this morning. If you started with your world and I started with my world, he started with his world, and she started with her world, and so on and so forth. Like, imagine the impact that could happen. And we change our world by focusing on our front row. I mean, sometimes the best place to start might be with your children. I mean, what better place to disciple than your children? Or it might be a spouse. It might be a co-worker. It might be you know, someone that you go to the lake with or go camping with. or But man, if we, we all started with our 8 to 15 or our circles of influence, I think we could begin to change the world. Consider this, okay? Consider this with me. In the New Testament, the church is not described as a weekend service. I can't find it anywhere. The church in the New Testament is not described as a building. We're having church this morning in this building because you're here. You're the church. And after this service, when you all leave and this building is empty, this will no longer be Grace Church because Grace Church has left the building. That's the way it works. The church is people. It's not a building. It's not an address that you put in your phone, you know, to find a destination. The Greek word for church in the scriptures is ekklesia. It actually means a group of people. Unfortunately, the word that you and I use for church actually came from an old German word that designates a street address. It's a different word. You see, Jesus never challenged the world to come into a beautiful building. He challenged the church to go, the ecclesia, to go into the world. That's the mission that you and I have been given. And you should be getting equipped for that, prepared for that. The amazing thing is, is the Great Commission has already been halfway accomplished. Okay, whether you know this or not, it's already been halfway accomplished. 
in your life personally. You don't have to go into a lost world because you're already there. Welcome to Durango. You're already there in your workplace. You're already there in your school. You're already there in, in your place of employment. God has already sent you. He's already placed you. And all of you, every single one of you, already have regular contact with people every single day that God wants to save. That God wants to redeem. The people that live in this community that don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, you know, people that live in in Bayfield and Ignacio and Pagosa and Cortez, those who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus will, like if I was a betting man, I would bet a whole lot of money that most likely they're not going to be here next Sunday at our service. They're not going to be at church next Sunday. I would bet a lot of money on that. But you know what they will be doing? They'll be working alongside you at work. They're going to school with you. They're playing sports with you. They're going camping with you. So I, like me and other pastors like me, we may not be on the stage of their life, but you are. You are. It's going to take every single one of us to accomplish the mission, and if we're truly going to impact this region with the gospel, we have to continually remind one another that we're all ministers. It's not the paid professional that does it all. It's not the way Jesus set it up. Every partner is a guide. Every partner is a minister. And if we as a church, a group of people, are not focused on accomplishing that mission, and if we're not doing everything we can to move in that direction of reaching those far from Jesus then the probability that we're wasting our time on Sunday mornings skyrockets. If we're not going after the mission, then what the heck are we doing? And we all can, we we all should grow to the point that we can guide someone spiritually, a family member, a co-worker, a parent, a neighbor... And let me say it this way, when those who are called to equip really do equip, and when people show up to be equipped, to be trained, to be empowered and entrusted with ministry, everyone wins. The equippers, those being equipped, the church, and especially the community wins. And God gets all of the glory because it was His incredible idea. You should be equipped to complete the mission. And then lastly, number three, you should be equipped to shepherd or to guide people spiritually. Have you noticed a theme in these three points? Okay? We are equipped to love people. We are equipped to make disciples of people. And we are equipped to guide people spiritually. And still, I know others of you are thinking like, yeah, Justin, they all sound almost exactly the same, all right? All three of your points almost sound exactly the same. And Exactly, okay? 
What I'm trying to teach us and communicate to us this morning is that we, we have to fundamentally understand this, like to the core of who we are as a church, that God's greatest treasure is people. It's people. The, the souls of children and women and men are going to last forever. God cares deeply about people. Jesus tells us multiple times in a variety of different ways that what matters most is people. It's, it's about people. So what are you or what should you be equipped for? People. To be able to interact with people. To be able to, to engage with people in a better way, in a deeper way. To, to learn how to have the conversations. And I know I've heard from many people, sometimes many of us, we don't like people. Right? I thought you were all going to say it with me, but I was left hanging there, all right? But man, our focus should be on reaching people. The idea that I want to share with you, not original to me, but I thought it was such a fantastic idea, I want to steal it. In the book, Not My Church, Tom Mercer talked about your front row, and he talked about your 8 to 15. I think it would be really, really powerful if each and every one of us, we took the time after services today, this afternoon, to write down who it is that you feel like you have influence with. Like who in your life? Who's, who's the 8 to 15 people in your life that you have influence with? And then... After we write those names down, we begin to pray for those individuals. Like, I mean, really pray. And think about those who, like, man, I, I'm not the judge, but I don't know if they know Jesus, you know. And I, I just begin to pray for them. And then you begin to intentionally minister to them. Your, your ear is attuned to their needs. And you do everything you can to meet their needs. I think then we begin to see souls and lives transformed for all eternity. Think about this with me for just a moment. I'm going to try to give you some numbers, so you got to pay really close attention because I went to Bible college, all right, and I didn't work with numbers a lot, so this will make you pay attention because I might get some numbers messed up here. But think about this with me. If everyone that is partnered with Grace Church showed up on the same Sunday, first of all, that would be a miracle. <laughs> Okay, that was an inside joke for me, I guess. But we would have roughly 300 people. So on a weekly basis, we have about 300 people that we're touching week in and week out. Let's say that 10% of that number is younger children, you know, infants, toddlers. Another 10% are people who have not yet made the decision to give their lives to Jesus. So that would leave us with 240 people. 240 people. Now imagine that we have 240 people who are more than capable of growing to the point where they can guide their front row spiritually. And if those 240, let's say 240 people, let's just let's let's make it even easier. Let's say those 240 people are a bunch of slackers, okay? And they're not even going to write 8 to 10, okay? Or 8 to 15, they're going to only write down 5. They just take they're going to write down 5 people. That's 1,200 people 
1,200 people that would be impacted by the people of Grace Church on a regular basis, week in and week out. Not just on a Sunday or trying to get them to come to church. That's not the end goal. The end goal is to lead them to Jesus. We would be ministering to people in a very intentional way. That's 1,200 people. Now imagine that 10% of those people catch on and they get the idea and they do the same thing. That's, that's 120 more people who are taking Jesus to their front row. And if each of those people only focus on five others as well, like now the numbers start getting crazy. It's what John Maxwell referred to as the power of multiplication. Jesus put it very simply. He just said, go. Go. Listen, we we talk all the time about impacting this region with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is a picture of how all of that talk can become reality. But it starts with you. It starts with me. And it starts by us being very intentional with those who are on our front row. Yeah, but Justin, aren't we called to reach everyone? Aren't we called to reach the world? Yes, but if we try to be all things to all people, we, we usually end up reaching no one. Or another way to say it is the quote I gave you earlier. When we feel that our job is to witness to everybody, then we tend not to witness to anybody. So what I want to do this morning is I want to challenge you. Okay, I want to throw down a challenge. I want to challenge you to take the time to write down your 8 to 15. Like Write down 8 to 15 people who you will begin to pray for very intentionally. And we're going to do our best as a church to make sure this is something we talk about often, we remind you about. I don't want this to be just like a one-off sermon. I want this to be a lifestyle for our church. And we begin to minister and care for those people that are on our front row. Write down 8 to 15 people you believe you have influence with and that you could take the gospel to. So what are you equipped for? You're you're equipped to love people. You're equipped to make disciples. And you should be equipped to guide people spiritually. That's what you're equipped for. That's the job of the church, the elders, the pastors, the teachers, and the leaders. Their job is to get you ready, get you prepared to reach your front row. Next week, we're going to start diving into the how-tos. Like, how do we get equipped? How does this work? What does the Bible have to say about how this is supposed to play out? How do we get equipped? So I hope that you'll join us. I hope that you'll be here for the rest of this series.